Welcome back once again to Gang Green and Goudreau here on PricklyMedia.net. Week six of the NFL has officially come and gone. We're approaching the halfway mark here in just a few short weeks. And speaking of short weeks, that explains why this show is posting on Wednesday versus the Tuesday that I've typically been doing. And the reality is life decided to get in the way. It is cold and flu season. And I caught something. Been sick for about a week. Say I'm about 90% of the way there, but all in all, it's been rough. But thankfully, you know, I got family able to help out with kids. And I just have not been able to record any sooner due to a combination of my voice and just overall fatigue. Despite the Jets doing everything in their power to give me the best kind of medicine possible, and it did make me feel certainly better on a spiritual front and a confidence front, because your week tends to feel better after a victory on an NFL Sunday. But before getting to the game, boy, so much to talk about. Although, as I say that, let me put out this disclaimer right now. I don't anticipate this being the typical 40 to 45 minute episode, largely because I'm still not 100%. My voice is a little shaky. I got my, my, uh, what am I drinking right here? You can tell I'm a Star Trek fan because I'm drinking uh, decaf Earl Grey. Although I'm much more of a Riker guy than I am a card guy. Not just because I named my son after Riker. But that's neither here nor there. See, a little tidbit for those of you who don't know me behind the scenes. Uh, busy, busy, busy here at the site, but we're two weeks away from being seemingly done with our Batman franchise until the next movie comes out, because we have this week on the site, the review of The Suicide Squad, leading up to the review of The Batman the following week. A lot of thes in these Batman titles. People, for you wondering, why are we doing The Suicide Squad if Batman's not in it? Here's why we wanted to be completionists. And if we did the first one, we were certainly going to do the second one. Despite, if you listen to the 2016 Suicide Squad review, none of us being especially kind to it. But speaking of being especially kind, let's talk about the NFL, shall we? And for years and years... Certainly within the last decade, it's always felt like the football gods have sat down, clenched their cheeks, and just shit on the New York Jets. Maybe that's a little too graphic for some of you, but look, if you know my sense of humor, and if you know your way around the pantheon that is the NFL, you will know firsthand that the Jets have been dog shit. So. I think that analogy is actually not as much of an extreme. And if you're religious, well, I think you've come to the wrong channel, especially if you're listening to me talk. But that's actually a conversation I'm going to be having, not with my pastor. But to let all of you know, I am also planning on starting a new solo podcast here on the site called Good Conversations or, or something along that front. To give me another avenue to talk more about movies, but on a more topical sense. So what I'm thinking is with Halloween coming up, 
in about a week and a half, talking about the movies that have scared me the most. Not in a jump scare sort of way, although some of the movies I'm considering discussing do veer into that territory. I want to talk about movie horror movies that you know are not part of a franchise to prevent us from giving my hand away when we get to some eventual franchise films, but talk about why certain movies scare me. Talk a little bit about my, my own personal fears, anxieties, just to give you all an avenue to kind of learn a little bit more about me and to talk about some horror movies that, that I love that have really unsettled me. And one of them does have to do with religion in a certain front. So that's why I brought it up. So if you're wondering what that is, be sure to tune in. I'm planning on dropping that show maybe the day before Halloween, maybe a little bit sooner, but who knows. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's going to be uh, some occasional coughing, just so you all know. It's it's. Um, I want to do these on a weekly commitment, and I want to stick by that no matter how I'm feeling. So anyway, back to the shit analogy, because we are talking about the New York Jets after all. The football gods have never really seemed to give us any semblance of luck or opportunity. And when they have, things just have not gone our way. Whether it's routinely losing to backup quarterbacks, the injury bug just kicking the crap out of us more so than the New England Patriots have over the past decade. It's always felt like we're behind the eight ball as Jet fans, and there's never really been much in the way of hope. There was some false hope in 2015 when we miraculously won 10 games. But the team that was constructed that year ultimately was not a sustainable way to build a contender. Look at how it all crashed and burned in 2016, along with the rest of our country. So, this year, we have caught some breaks. But we were also dealt the blow of not having our starting quarterback for the first three weeks. But we've been, I don't want to, what's the right word? Blessed, fortunate, lucky. Any of those adjectives can be thrown out. But it's been interesting the way this season has played out because the Jets are sitting at 4-2 and two right now. With the exception of the Bills and the Chiefs, I believe are the only AFC team with four wins or better as of this recording, which is pretty exciting. But what has been fascinating to watch is the way this team has gone against the word same old Jets. I can think of so many instances where we've knocked out quarterbacks on the opposition and then the backups come in and beat us or losing to teams that we really have no business losing to. And we haven't done that this year, which is pretty surprising. Uh, we beat the Dolphins with a third-string quarterback. Years past, I don't think we win that game. Beating the combined might of Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky, although the Steelers did just knock off the Buccaneers, so I guess any given Sunday, and maybe the Steelers are slightly better than we thought, or the Bucks just suck. I lean towards more of the latter because two words, Todd Bowles. And Jeff fans, we know better than anybody about how brutal of a coach Todd Bowles can be. 
if you want to say, yeah, we haven't beat the best of competition, there's some validity to that statement. But look at this week. <clears throat> this is where I think the narrative is really starting to change for this team. We were playing the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field. Historic. Back-to-back -back reigning MVP quarterback. Prior to this game, the Packers had won 15 straight at home and had never lost back-to-back -back games with Matt LaFleur as the head coach. They had lost the week prior to the Giants in London, and everyone was saying a bunch of things. Whether it was the Jets have no shot, using the back-to-back -back reasoning for the Packers to win this game, same old Jets, Aaron Rodgers being too good, they'll figure it out. Nobody picked the Jets in this game. Except for me. I did say on the last show I, I was expecting the Jets to go into Lambeau and win. But boy, that was not the game I was expecting. Not only did the Jets go into Lambeau and win, they won decisively. Final score of 27-10. to 10. I believe it was the first game all year that the Jets won without ever trailing. They led this entire game. Against Aaron Rodgers. And I know what everyone's going to say. Oh, the Packers don't have any receivers. Sure, you can throw that out all you want. But if Aaron Rodgers is as great as he is, then he should be able to elevate his supporting cast. Tom Brady's done that for decades. That was always the argument with him. That he could make any grocery store baggage handler into a Pro Bowl wide receiver. Against the Jets, Aaron Rodgers didn't do that. Alan Lazard got lost in the sauce. And Aaron Rodgers spent a good portion of this game on his back. He was seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold was back in the day. This, to me, was the, the statement game that the Jets have played all year. Not only have they won three in a row, three is the magic number, seemingly. Three straight wins, 3-0 and on the road, and three rookies making a sizable impact on this game. So I'll start there and kind of work my way around, because unlike some of the shows past, I don't have a preset agenda, per se, largely due to my, my illness. <clears throat> Number one is Sauce Gardner. How friggin' good is this guy playing right now? When he was picked number four overall, there was a lot of excitement. But I think it got some skepticism because the Jets seemed to be putting on a insistence that they were taking an edge rusher. And it was a bit of a surprise when they when they didn't, when they took a corner. But through six games, he's lived up to the hype. 23 tackles, 16 on his own, eight passes deflected, an interception. And he's not allowing any receiver to do anything against him. He has been everything as advertised. And to me, he is far and away the offensive or defensive rookie of the year. 
Sorry for that Freudian slip up. I'm still a little under the weather, I guess, with the cough medicine. <clears throat> for a guy who played at Cincinnati, you know, it's not like he went to Alabama or Georgia or Notre Dame, Ohio State, none of these gigantic schools. It's not like he played premier talent against wide receivers in college. Consistently, there were some games where he certainly did. I think there was a game they played against uh, Notre Dame of all teams, and they just shut him out. If you go on <laughs> Sauce Gardner's Wikipedia page, it says he is also named by the USA and the world as the king of the Green Bay Packers, showing that fact by using a cheese hat as a crown, which he so beautifully did at the end of this game. I think what really, <clears throat> more than anything, was established in this game was the Jets have established an identity. And this goes back to the same old Jets. Because this team is so young, a lot of these guys, yeah, they know the reputation. But they can say they weren't here for those past years. We're our own guys. We're going to forge our own path. So I think because of that, they've got an identity and a swagger and a confidence about them that they believe they can beat anybody. That's absolutely palpable. And I think that's the right mentality to have because these guys are right. They weren't here for the past regimes, the past failures, the past disappointments, the past just sheerly unwatchable football that the Jets product has been. Where they are saying, yeah, we think we can beat anybody. And we're just going to out-physical you. Which brings me to the second rookie I want to highlight is Brees Hall. Holy crap. <clears throat> he has been the best player on this team, arguably, between him and one other person. And my God, he, he has been... Everything, like I said with Sauce, everything is advertised. He has been the 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 bell cow back. He's got back to back games with over a hundred yards on the ground. And he just the the Jets took the Packers' soul in this game. Their mantra was very simple. We're not gonna ask Zach to do everything. We're just gonna run the ball up your up your ass and try to stop us, and our defense will shut down any semblance of a passing game that you have. Because we know we can outmuscle you. And they did on both sides of the ball in the trenches. Whether it was Brees Hall running, whether it was Braxton Berrios catching or running that jet sweep for a touchdown. They were just, it reminds me so much of those early Rex Ryan teams that were all about ground and pound and smash mouth football. And it's showing that formula can still work, even in an era which is so reliant on quarterback play and throwing the ball down the field. They're showing that this style can get it done on the road. The question will be, when teams sh shut down the run, which will be bound to happen, can they trust Zach Wilson to orchestrate a passing attack and put up points that way? I think the jury's still out on Zach Wilson, but you can't deny they're 3-0 this year when he plays. And the team does have a certain swagger when he's under center versus Joe Flacco. 
Zach's stats weren't great, but he wasn't asked to do anything. If you're asking me what would I rather see, Zach Wilson ball out and lose, or manage the game and win, I'm taking the latter every single time. Because the example I always think of, and I really thought of it last year with Justin Herbert. He didn't put up phenomenal numbers, but he didn't make the playoffs. Part of that's because he had to do everything, which led to some interceptions. And his coach being overly aggressive to the point of stupidity versus a guy like, I'm going to use the AFC East, look at Tua or Mac Jones. More so Mac Jones, that he was not asked to throw for 500 yards every game. Belichick said, we'll run the ball and trust lean on our defense. Because that should work for us. And I think this is working. Is it sustainable? We'll see. But if Brees Hall keeps winning games like this, he'll be the offensive rookie of the year in no time. Hell, him and Saquon Barkley might be the two best backs we've seen in six weeks of the NFL. The third rookie I want to mention is Michael Clemens, fourth-round pick. He had a blocked punt in this game, which was run back for a touchdown by Will Parks. This is where you talk about those real diamond-in-the-rough finds that Joe Douglas, the GM, has found. In that all of your guys are playing roles on this team, especially these mid-tier guys, like a Michael Clemens was a fourth-round pick, or Braxton Berrios, who was like a seventh-rounder that was a a, a reject from New England, coming in as the gadget player and getting stuff done. Everyone's got a job. Everyone is is a piece of the larger puzzle, and Zach is also not being asked to drive the whole ship. I think they're going to t- going to t- coming. Oh my god, I can't talk. There is going to <laughs> there is going to come a time where he is asked to air it out. <clears throat> and I I have all the confidence in him. But it hasn't really been part of part of his his game plan this year. Maybe he's still getting acclimated because it is his surgery. And the coaches know he's not quite 100% just yet, but we'll see. <clears throat> well, it's time to enjoy the here and now. And the here and now is Mr. Uh, Mr. Quentin Williams. It's been a long time since I have seen a defensive tackle outside of Aaron Donald wreck a game like Quentin Williams did. Multiple sacks, multiple tackles for loss, blocked field goal as a nose tackle. You know, he's an interior defensive lineman wrecking games like this. Normally that's your edge rushers, or like I said, an Aaron Donald or Warren Sapp. <clears throat> Sorry, everybody, my voice is not the best, as you can probably tell. So I'm, I'm drinking water much more than I typically do. Tea is run dry. <clears throat> but he has been the the anchor of this defense, which is playing a hell of a lot better. I, I have to give, I can't believe I'm saying this, I have to give solid credit because they stopped with that defensive line rotation. It was certainly much 
less of a factor in this game, and they just kept their core four in and let the boys wreak havoc by only rushing four. They very rarely blitzed Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers still looked like he was seeing ghosts to the point where he didn't play the last three minutes of the game while it was a blowout. I think that's because he's a little bit of a diva and a little bit of a bitch. A drama queen who is the king of blame deflecting and finger pointing. Not to get too much into my thoughts on Aaron Rodgers, but it felt so good to beat the shit out of him in his own building. That words could not even adequately describe how great it was. So, where do we go from here? Uh, let's see. I I think next week could be a bit of a trap game. Not going to lie, because we're playing the Broncos in Denver. Altitude is always a factor, and the Jets have not played well the last few times they're there. And the unit that scares me is the Bronco defense, because they have been phenomenal. Offense has been a tire fire, and I think the Jets <laughs> can take advantage of that, especially if Russell Wilson's playing on one leg like he apparently will be, because he's using another injury as an excuse for a shitty play. I can't stand Aaron Rodgers. Oh my God, I despise Russell Wilson, because I think he's the biggest phony. I think he is a poser. He pretends to be somebody that he's not. And I think he's getting exposed. You can only have so many ex-teammates call you out and keep denying what they're saying. Is it sour grapes on their part for him throwing that interception in the Super Bowl? To a point. I think that would eat at me if I was someone like Richard Sherman, but we have multiple ex-teammates calling you out saying that you were treated differently and what have you. There's got to be some merit to it. <clears throat> and I'm not going to use the word trap game, but this is a game that that does scare me a bit. I think it's going to be low scoring. And I think that it's going to be a game decided by defense and special teams, which have been Really, really good for the Jets. They had a blocked punt in this game, blocked field goal. Of course, Zerline missed a field goal, but it is what it is. I could see it being like a 15-12 game or, or a 17-14, something like that. <clears throat> but make no mistake, if the Jets are 5-2 and two, with the Patriots coming to MetLife Stadium, that place is going to be like a Beatles concert with the level of electricity pulsating through that building if the Jets are on a four-game win streak. That would be typical Jets if they shit the bed against New England. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So I am a bit trepidatious about going to Denver, but I don't fear the, the offense of the Broncos. I fear their defense. I fear Sertain. I fear their linebacking core. Because the honest thing is, as great as Brees Hall has been, the Jets' passing game hasn't been as impressive since Flacco stepped out and Zach Wilson's come in. I think that's because the, the prolificity of their run game has been a lot better. Joe Flacco also had to throw the ball a lot more because they were behind in those games. So take that as a piece of your judgment. You're looking at these two 
quarterbacks and their numbers, because I don't think numbers tell the true story, or the full story. But if you look at Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, they have not been as integral to the Jets' offense as they were when Joe Flacco was under center. But there were reasons for that. And like I said, if it's not broke, don't fix it. If your offense is working, just keep it simple. If it wins you games, because at the end of the day, you play to win the game, to quote Herm Edwards. I don't care how it happens, because I have been starved for W's like a cat in a New York alley. It's been bad. And it's really exciting to see them seemingly turn the corner. Now, I'm going to not fully change my expectations for this team. But I think eight to nine wins should be the bare minimum based on what we've seen if they're already at four, which is as many games as they won last year. I think it's highly likely this team could somehow win 10 games. Now, is that enough to get you in the playoffs? Well, looking at the AFC right now, very well could be. We thought the AFC West was going to be this powerhouse of a division. It's almost like, yeah, they're beating up on each other, but are any of those teams like perennial world beaters? I mean, look at the Chiefs. I think they missed Tyreek Hill in a big way. Chargers, I think their coach is a moron. Raiders, same thing. Josh McDaniels, once he escapes from Bill Belichick's coat, He's reverting to how he was in Denver, which is an unsuccessful, somewhat immature coach. And Nathaniel Hackett in Denver makes Adam Gase look like Vince Lombardi. It's that bad from what I've seen. Now, of course, if we lose to him next week, it'll be same old Jets. But I don't think we're going to lose that game because Russell Wilson throws for like 400 yards and three touchdowns. It'll be because the defense just... Stuffs the run and Zach gets forced into some bad decisions. So I'm cautiously optimistic about the upcoming game. But looking at the Packers that we just beat, this leads me to receipt time. I don't want to hear about the Packers not being that good when everybody was picking the Packers to win that game and refusing to give the Jets any credit because of it. Talked about this last week. Can we stop with this Fox News-esque type of sports journalism? Just admit the Jets are good. You don't have to say we're a playoff contender or a Super Bowl favorite. But give us some goddamn credit. Won three games in a row. Undefeated on the road. We've played two two different quarterbacks. Our team is the best fourth point Fourth quarter point differential in the NFL. The defense is top 10 in the NFL. We got the likely offensive and defensive rookie of the years. Rookies of the year. Can't talk, apparently, because I'm all fired up. There's more than enough justification for optimism. Like I said, you don't have to pick us to win the Super Bowl, but stop denying that we're we're just lucky or, uh, you know, blessed to be here. Because you got to put in the work to get wins. They're not just handed to you in the NFL. you got to play for a full 60 minutes. 
and they've won games in a variety of ways, whether the, the miraculous comeback against Cleveland, the double-digit comeback led by Zach Wilson against Pittsburgh, the pummeling of Miami, albeit with a third-string quarterback, and the way we just took the soul of the Green Bay Packers, like Leonardo DiCaprio sucks the souls out of 25-year-old girls so he stays looking young. How's that for a Halloween image for you all? How do you think he looks so pretty? So I think the Jets, my mantra is keep underestimating us because I think it's it's motivating this team because they it's New York. It's the biggest media market in the world. Of course they're reading the headlines. Of course they're listening to the radio. Of course they're listening to the doubters. And honestly, I don't know what it's going to take for us to get respect. If we somehow beat the Bills in a few weeks, I think that would definitely do it. Finishing with 10 wins, I definitely think that would do it. But I still think they've got a, some work to do to convince everybody. But the roadmap is there. And I do believe that the Jets have turned the corner. Now they just have to stay on the road and fix the occasional flat tire when it happens. And not let a bad loss, because it'll come. There's no way this team runs the table, certainly before the bye week, let alone the whole season. But I'm going to be curious to see how this team responds to their next loss. Because I think that'll tell us a lot about what they're made of. But for all the bashing I've done on Sala, he's turned the defense around these last few weeks. They've been making really good offensive adjustments at halftime. These are all things that past coaches didn't do. They've hardly been penalized in the last few weeks. So that tells me the, you know, the C word culture and accountability. They're apparently part of his messaging and it's working. Is he the best schematics guy? Oh God, no. Do I still question some of his decision making? Like throwing the ball on third and one? Yeah, of course I do. But in the grand design, if the players are buying into it and they're winning, who am I to criticize You know, one or two bad decisions? Now, if they cost us games, I'll certainly become more critical. But i got to give credit where credit's due, unlike so much of the media. Jets winning three games in a row? When the hell was the last time the Jets did that under a head coach? Winning their first three road games? Zach Wilson's 3-0? You know, it's it's fun to watch. That's the other thing. Watching all these young guys flying around making plays. I think in the long haul, we're going to be a contender for the foreseeable future. Maybe not this year, but if these guys keep playing at this level and Zach keeps developing, I definitely don't think we'll be the doormat for much longer. And I don't think we are now. And looking at the defense, Aaron Rodgers put up 10 points in his own building. His rec the receivers couldn't do a thing. They got in his face the whole game. Like, when was the last time you saw Aaron Rodgers look legitimately nervous to be under center because he was worried where the next hit was coming from? So I was, I was ecstatic. Look, 4-2 and two is 4-2. and two. We'd be the fifth seed in the AFC not to talk about playoffs, 
but you know, I just I'm tired of hearing all these asterisks being put on the Jet wins. The Packers had won 15 straight games at Lambeau, like I said. It's got to count for something. And I don't want to hear about, well, the Green Bay Packers ain't sitting there without any more Devontae Adams, so Aaron Rodgers ain't got anybody to throw the ball to. I don't know why I just turned into Hank Hill. He's not on ESPN. Well, right there, you know, the Houston Texans are getting their asses kicked, so I had to watch the Packer game. Now this show will be infamous for my Hill impression. Well, that right there is not a touchdown, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Making me delirious, to quote Joe Beningo, when I'm watching with the Jets. And like I said, looking at the AFC, outside of the Bills and the Chiefs, I don't fear anybody. The AFC South? you watch that crap? Texans, the Jaguars, Colts. Colts are the worst division leader in the NFL by far. We split with the AFC North, and I think if we played the Ravens again with Zach Wilson instead of Joe Flacco, we'd beat them. And the AFC West, like I said, they're all, they all got some vulnerabilities we could potentially expose. So the opportunities are going to be there. I just think it's on Sala and it's on this coaching staff and it's on these players to, to get it done and not lose the layups. Because we got games against the Bears, the Lions, the Jaguars. You can't lose those games if you want to change the narrative that you're not the same old Jets. And against the Packers, my, my overall thesis statement is they did against an inferior team what you should do. Pound the ball. Make sure they never have a chance to get back in the game and capitalize on key opportunities. Blocked kick for a touchdown, blocked field goal that they turned into a scoring drive. The fact that this is also a a youth movement on the team is what is really exciting me. If this was like, you know, Joe Flacco still, instead of Brees Hall, it was, you know, what's left of Frank Gore, if he's even still playing. And receivers that are in their 30s, like, you know, if Jamison Crowder was still here, it would nowhere near, be nowhere near as exciting as it is now because of all the, the, the young guys that we have that are all on rookie deals. So next year, let's say we finish with nine, ten wins. You can go get a big name free agent or two and really make that deep run that you should be in the third year under your head coach. So a lot of things I'm seeing. I have no reason to be negative. Just don't lay an egg against the Broncos, please. Speaking of laying an egg, I'll be catching some Z's momentarily like a good mother hen when I wrap myself in a blanket and go to sleep. So I think I'm going to call it a little bit short, but I did want to give everyone my thoughts about the game, where the Jets stand, because I do want to commit to these still on a weekly basis despite my illness. As always, you know, thank you for listening, whether you're a fan or not. I think most of you are not pertaining preferences to the green and white. So until next time, I'm going to take off my cheese head, go mail it back to Aaron Rodgers. Hope he has some more of that hippie shit, those hippie drugs he's been taking, and maybe that'll help him relax and 
possibly get back into the playoffs. Because as of now, I don't see the Packers as a contender whatsoever. Because the Jets just, there's no other way to say it. They beat their ass. And boy, oh boy, I hope we do that to the Broncos next week. But cross that bridge when we get there. So until next week when we talk about Jets at Broncos, uh, JETS, and thank you all very much for listening.